Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 40 of The Enemy of My Enemy, my second dip into the AVP fanfiction world. As always, I do hope you can like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can, either at fanfiction.net, archiveofyourown.org or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. All comments and feedback are always welcome, and always appreciated too. And if you do pop to ghostnobody.com, check out Stormrider, a tale of mystical magic and dragons and mages that set close in an undead universe. Always something a little different, eh? And if you are at ghostnobody.com, pop over to the Ghostly Link section and check out Mortis, either on Kindle Store of Amazon or on Smashwords. Pick yourself up a copy and help support me. Keep me doing what I love, bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you good people. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Now, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it. This is all fan fiction. It's all a property of their own studios. I just keep the huntresses. They're all mine. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 40. All aboard. Um, sure about this, my queen? Jet is looking at herself in the mirror. Turn it around herself to see herself from different angles. From the front, the back, and from either side. Well, I wanted you to wear the dress, but my beautiful male assures me that this would be much better for a human date. And he also says that you look very cute in it. And if he thinks so, then the human girl will as well. Your king has a very good eyes for that sort of stuff, Marcher said, watching her adoptive daughter nervously fidgeting about in front of the mirror. Not all Xenos chose to wear clothes, and indeed, thanks to their physiology, they could get away with running around nude if they wished. Though... It did make some of the Xeno members of Xeno loving members of the crew easier to spot as they may get a nosebleed from time to time as one shot past them. But thanks to the ingenuity of Clan Mason, they had machines on board that could reproduce fashions and Xeno dimensions in all shapes and sizes. So now the Xenos could enjoy the luxury of wearing any clothes they wanted. The Battle Angels took full advantage of this and you never saw one of them undressed. Indeed, Martyr herself had taken to the trend as well after both her huntress and King ambushed her, led her to the machine that was mounted in one of the cargo bays. kind of looked like a circular metallic archway, but it turned out to be a 3D scanner that used two interlocking rings to scan her entire form. The result is, she now had a seriously comfy and cute cashmere-style sweater to wear, and a pair of hip-hugging white jeans that her king very much enjoyed looking at, which made her feel really good, to be fair. She really hadn't seen the appeal of clothes before, but her king was gently whispered in her ears that it wasn't the clothes themselves truly, that they were just a pretty wrapping, and it was a silent promise of the beauty that lay beneath them. They tantalised and intrigued. Then he turned to their huntress, who was sharpening her hunting spear, and they both watched as she bent over on her hands and knees to retrieve more blade oil, and he softly whispered in her ear, Now you can't tell me that that suit doesn't make you wonder about the beauty hidden beneath, to reveal its exquisite joy to you, he said. And he was right. It was true. Marcia had found her eyes drawn to her huntress's glorious curves, both accentuated and hidden beneath the suit that she wore, the suit that promised both glory and heavenly joy to the one able to remove it from her. He was right. These crows were a truly beautiful thing, though Tashara had become aware of both of them staring at her, and he looked at both of them over her shoulder in a way that was innocent and curious, but also set her heart on fire. What's wrong? 
What are you both looking at? She'd asked, and quick as a flash, Marcher felt a flash of embarrassment of being caught, while Reaper simply smiled. Oh, we're just admiring pure perfection, he said, and Tashara looked confused until they, she realised they were both staring at her ass. Then a big sultry smile crossed over her mandibles and she waved it at them, wiggling her hips as she did, and both her and Reaper laughed. And keep waving that thing at me and I'm going to take it from you, he said playfully, and she purred so deeply. I'd like to see you try, woman, he said, and without even skipping a beat, he turned to her. What do you say, my beauty queen? That sounds like a challenge to you. Shall we take it from her? He said, and before Tashara could say another word, they pounced on her and wrestled her to the ground in a pile of flailing limbs and giggling Yuzhuta, Zeno and human flesh. That very swiftly became a pile of writhing, moaning and sweating human Yuzhuta and Zeno flesh. Two hours later, the three of them laid at least spent in a heap, with Reaper on the bottom of his two alien beauties clinging to him like he might evaporate. Told you we'd take it from you, he panted softly, and Tashara chuckled softly. I let you win, she said, and Reaper had bellowed a laugh. Yuta pride at its very best. I utterly love it. Can never deceive can defeat, even when the defeat is the sweetest prize, he said, and Tashara shook her head. Defeat is not the sweetest prize, my woman. You two are, she said, before stroking her mandibles along them before pulling her into an even deeper and tighter embrace, along with Marcher. Now that I can totally agree with, he said. Marcher found herself purring softly at the memory. Oh, the things her human had done to her that night. The way he'd used those incredibly fing dexterous fingers, and that wondrous tongue of his on her, made her hot under a new cashmere collar. Oh, she was totally pouncing on him later, and her huntress. She was going to hunt them both through the ship when she got the chance, and she was going to carry them both off to her hive and have her wicked way with them both, nice and slow. Er, uh, my queen, you're purring again, Jet said, snapping her out of a sweet daydream filled with writhing, blushing human and yujuta flesh. Marcia shook her head and she snapped back to reality, where her new adoptive daughter, dressed in her new red jeans and yellow strappy t-shirt, stood looking at her curiously. I am sorry, my daughter. Nice memories sometimes pull me into them. And this is what I want for you, too. To make your own sweet memories with the human that you will love. To have your own memories so sweet that no matter how long you live, they will always have the power to pull you back into them and thank the gods that you lived them, she said, making her daughter smile. I want this too, my queen, Jet said, and Marcia smiled before placing her hand on each of her daughter's slender shoulders looking right into her domed eyes. Then go, and make some. The human you are meeting tonight is a wonderful person, a tamer with a clan mason that we rescued from the space station. Her name is Rose. You treat her right, and you treat her well, my daughter. You do your hive proud. This human has been through a lot, and is scarred by the things that she has suffered. So she needs kind hands, and a loving heart to support her. I'm not saying for one second that you must commit yourself, as you know very well where we are all free to choose now. But if you do like her, and you do feel that connection, do not pressure her. Let her choose it of her own free will. And if she does choose, you make her happy and love her the way that her heart so obviously yearns for. Marcia said and Jet smiled up at her and hissed softly. I will, my queen. 
I swear it to you. I won't let you down. My hive or her, she said. Marcher nodded approvingly. Good. Now go have some fun, my daughter. Marcher said, and her daughter scampered off joyfully to go meet her human suitor. Rose nervously tapped her fingertips on the table in the mess hall. It wasn't exactly the most romantic of places for a first date, but she was on a battle cruiser among some of the best special forces in the known universe. The place wasn't exactly going to be awash with five-star restaurants and movie theatres. But at least she could go bowling, or something. If the Halcraft bowling had anything to to go by, she might actually need a helmet and possibly some armour, though. That's when she saw her and her heart froze solid before positively exploding into shrapnel in her chest. Jet was dressed in human-style clothing, a beautiful pair of cherry-red jeans that highlighted her long, luscious legs and her exquisite rear end. And then there was that yellow sleeveless T-shirt that really showed off her upper half. It's like it had been made to fit around her black tubes, which, as with all evolved Zenus Genos, were smaller than their standard counterparts and more sleek. Jess cast her view over the room and soon saw a huge smile light up her face. She waved a long arm happily and Rose felt a swell of joy. She was wearing the flower that Reaper had given her so that Jeff could identify her. It was pinned to her white blouse and for the millionth time she smoothed her skirt down with nerves. The last time she tried dating it hadn't exactly gone well at all and that was with a member of her own race. How the hell was she going to impress a friggin' Zeno? Panic started to set in as the big Zeno girl walked over. With every step she took closer, Rose she felt like her heart rate climbed ten beats till it was going at hyperspace jump drive speed on full spin-up. Hello, you must be Rose, or at least I really hope you are, because you're really pretty, Jed said directly into her mind with a voice that felt like liquid silk tickling her brain. Thanks to her tamer training, she didn't need his queen's kiss to understand Zenos. She could tap directly into their language. Rose, yes, that's me, Rose said, her voice full of nerves. But then she froze. Just the exquisite Zeno girl just called her pretty. Jet clapped her hands together and out of utterly nowhere, hugged her tightly, sending a rush of heat through Rose. And she felt the Zeno girl's incredibly firm hide to her clothing. It was like she was carved rather than born. Yay! Rose is even prettier than my queen told me she is. Lucky me! She said, and Rose just couldn't help but laugh at that. She was so innocent and so forthright. Um, thank you. Very much. I think you're rather beautiful too. Rose said, found herself saying, her cheeks burning like the surface of the bloody sun as the words left her lips. Jet beamed from ear to ear, or what she assumed were ears. Oh, God, that smile was pretty. She could even see her inner lips, inner jaws on the tip of her tongue smiling at her as well. And that was kind of a smile, dopey kind, that made her lose herself. Thank you. No humans called me pretty before. Well, except my king. And, well, he belongs to our queen. And she's really lucky to have him. He makes her and our queen's huntress love very happy. She calls him the glue that binds the three hearts. Jet said happily, and Rose just couldn't help but smile at her dreamily. She was exquisite, and just so truly honest, and open, and it was truly refreshing. She didn't hold anything back, and she didn't hide herself. From the moment the young Zeno's butt touched the seat, she'd made Rose smile. 
The pair talked for what felt like hours as they had a wondrous dinner delivered to them, before even ordering. Apparently Reaper had gone and spoken to the chefs on duty and had pulled some strings to get them a custom meal made up. They even brought him a candle to make it more romantic. The food was truly incredible. A steak cooked to absolute perfection with lightly steamed potatoes and sweet blackberry sauce. She had no idea in hell how he'd managed to pull this off. But she was going to hug the living shit out of that man the next time she saw him. He really did have a heart of gold. It was no wonder Inferno and Mar- Queen Marcher worshipped him. If it's this friend, good to friends he just made, Goddess knew what sort of treatment he gave to those he loved. It's quite funny to watch Jet watching the candle flame dancing about like it was a living thing. She looked like a huge black cat sizing up a mouse. More than once she saw her sizing up to strike it with her tail. She wondered if it was because they didn't like fire or if she was just fascinated by it. Rose Rose found herself opening up to the young Zeno in a way she'd never expected. It was like because she was so open and honest with her that she couldn't help but be the same with her herself. She found herself telling her about the cruelty she'd faced from her own kind and what had happened to her on her, on her last date. Now she'd been laughed at. She felt the shame and anger burning her cheeks. But when she'd finished the story, the most unexpected and wonderful thing had happened. Jet got up and came around to her side of the table and actually picked her up off the seat in the tightest hug of her life, pulling her against her chest and letting her feel her breast through the thin shirt. The hide was just so incredibly firm and soft all at once. And there was the smell. It was like vanilla essence. She must have bathed herself in it. And that answered another question. She hadn't plucked up the nerve to ask. Did Zeno's bathe? You poor, poor human. Who would do such vile thing to a creature so beautiful and innocent who only wanted to be loved? Vile creatures such as this deserve no pity or mercy. If any were to ever insult you in front of me, they would taste the sting of my tail spike. And we'll see who's laughing when I show them their own beating heart on the end of it. Jet snarled in a voice so full of menace and passion that it both scared and warmed Rose's heart at the same time, as the big Zeno held her aloft in a protective cradle. And that's when she knew. That was the exact moment she knew it to be true. True love did indeed exist in this world, and it was currently holding in the air, like she was a human-shaped doll with a mechanical arm. Rose returned the hug and wrapped her arms around the tall Zeno girl. Johnny made her hug her back even tighter. Thank you, Jet. Thank you for being so kind. I don't deserve it, really. I mean, I barely know you, and here I am laying my fears and hang-ups on you. Rose began till Jet shushed her by placing a large clawed finger on her lips and making her look up at the big Zeno girl. There's no need to feel bad or sorry. We Zenos believe only in truth, in the truth of love and family. We will fight to the bitter end for those we love. That is because those things are real simple for us. The hive is all that matters. And I really, really do want you to be in my hive, she said, and Rose's heart literally leapt out of her chest. You, your hive? As in, you want me to be your g- girlfriend? Rose stammered and Jet nodded enthusiastically. Yes, you're so cute and pretty that I could just cuddle up to you all day long and night. I'll just wrap you up safe and snound and sn- in my tail and snuggle you to death, Jet said, waving her around like a doll. 
and suddenly Jet's expression changed and she put Rose down on her feet and looked very bashful. Oh my goodness, I did it again, didn't I? I, I just keep assuming that because I want something, others want it too. It's a mistake I keep making around in humans because I can't read them like I can one of my own kind. I, I just assume and then I... Jet said and now it was Rose's turn to shush her. There wasn't anything as subtle as a finger to the lips. More like a scream. Yes, I'll be your girlfriend, Jet. She yelled so loud that nearly everyone in the mess all turned to look. But she didn't care because no sooner had the words left her lips than the big Zeno scooped her up into the air again and started swinging her around. I have a pretty human girlfriend. I'm so happy, Jet screeched, and suddenly before Rose knew what was happening, the big Zeno girl had pressed her incredibly soft, warm mouth to hers. And just like that, Rose had her very first Zeno kiss, right there in front of everyone in the canteen. But she, she didn't care. To her... It was like the world had just faded away. Faded away except for Jet, the pretty, innocent, wonderful Zeno girl that had captured her heart without even trying. And she was being kissed by this magnificent creature. And she couldn't be any more happy. Or more embarrassed when the world came crashing back in and she realised that everyone in the room was suddenly applauding them. The Guardian Corps really did take their love seriously. Just like Patriarch Ryan had said they did. And their happiness became everyone's happiness. And it warmed her heart and cheeks to see it first hand. And that's when the speaker above their heads cut in and ruined everything. All hands to battle stations. This is not a drill. All hands to your posts. Gear up. The Grand Patriarch's voice rang out from the tannoy like a bell of thunder. And as one, the entire room moved like someone lit a fire under their collective arse. This is a colony ship, tr transport ship, Silver Wind. We were in atta under attack by unknown enemies. We've been boarded and they're overwhelming our defensives. They've released some kind of virus on board. It hasn't reached the cryopods yet, but it's only a matter of time. Please, we have, a we have three million souls on board heading for the Vermiton system. Please help us, the voice of the intercom called desperately. Reaper pressed the button to transmit. Queen Boy B nodded to him. Silver Wind, this is the council ship Sword of Silence. We're coming to your aid. Just hold on, we're coming for you. He said and the system crackled only for a second before the system cut back in. Silver Wind to Sword of Silence. Oh, thank the gods. Please hurry, they're cutting through our bulkheads like they were made of paper. Half the crew is either dead or I don't even know what the fuck they are. They're still fucking walking. They haven't got to the colonists yet, but it's only a matter of time. Please, you have to help us, the radio operator said in pure panic. Silver Wind, secure your bridge and any crew you can. Don't worry, we're coming. Sword of Silence out, Reaper said, and then to his left, Jack hit the internal comm system. This is Jack Mason, to all Guardian Spirits, Halcraft, Section 5. We have a colony ship carrying three innocent souls in immediate threat of destruction by our enemies. That's three in million innocent souls. Gear the fuck up, people, because that's not happening on my watch. We're going to fucking save them, so move, people. Fucking move. Jack bellowed into the comms. The whole ship turned into an ant's nest that someone had poured boiling water down. We've got incoming. 
Looks like the boarding party brought some friends. Vegas has said he spotted smaller dots on his readout. Roger that, my love. We've been dying to give these guns a workout. Reaper, get the team ready to board. We're going over in shuttles, Queen Bee said, and he it nodded and hit the alarm. The launch bay was like a hive with people scrambling in every direction to be loaded into the high-speed assault shuttles that the Sword of Silence had on board. They were heavily armed versions of the regular shuttles with clamps and hull-cutting equipment fitted in breech if they needed it to. Jack and Tick were right with Reaper as he burst into the bay, along with Tashara and Marcher who had intercepted him en route. Ryan and Sella were already there directing soldiers into the shuttles. Rolls came tumbling out of one of the lifts, trying to put her armour on while running and clamping her huge sword to her back. Rose, on me! Jack yelled, and she scrambled to catch up with him as the group climbed onto a shuttle. Last one's on board, we're good to go. Literally everyone's going out on this one, guys, so hit them hard. Let's teach them these fucks a lesson what happens when you fuck with the best special forces in the universe. Godspeed, people. Let's kick some ass. Reaper yelled into the comms and he heard a collective roar of answer from around the shuttle bay as Tick patted his shoulder. You do well in the Hunters, she growled as she took a seat next to him, and Reaper grinned as he dropped into the pilot's seat. Everyone on me, follow my lead. We're going in weapons free. Gunners, take your seats and hit them hard on the way, Reaper said. Okay, boss, I'm into the controls of the Silverwind. I've locked down the ship and programmed AIFF with our signatures. Now the doors will only open for us or the crew. I've got the cameras up and I can see them. Gotta be about a hundred of them over there, plus the undead crew fucking about, Spike said over the comms. Reaper lifted the shuttle off out of the landing spot in the huge cavern-like hangar bay, and to his left and right he saw the same thing happening all around him, guiding the shuttle out of the bay doors in formation, which scattered upon exiting to prevent them from being targeted easily as they all made a dash for the huge colony ship to their north. They would be assaulting from a variety of points all around the ship to maximise the effect and to corral the enemy together into a kill zone, but also to push them away from the cryopods. If they were getting hit from all sides, they would have a far harder time trying to defend or hold the ground. Tick swung around in the gunner seat and Jack heard all the rail cannons above him roaring away as hypervelocity projectiles ripped off him from the front of the ship and hit one of the enemy shuttles in their path. Whoa, nice shot, my love. Jack whooped from beside her as he stood bouncing as Reaper danced the shuttle around the debris. Suddenly a huge volley of red and green energy ripped all around them like a seriously hardcore disco laser, and fire erupted ahead of them from twenty or so of the shuttles and drones that got blown to smithereens. Eat shit, you wee beasties, Tank yelled, and they turned to see Moodstone piloting a shuttle with Tank actually bolted to the roof, holding what appeared to be a particle cannon like he was surfing on the shuttle roof. He must be maxing out the magnetic boots of the spirit armour. Tick laughed her ass off at this, and then looked at Reaper. You spirits are porking crazy. I like it, she roared, and Reaper grinned inside his helmet. You ain't seen anything yet, Lady Tick. Hold on to your ass. Here we go. Reaper grinned, punching the throttles, making the shuttle dance around. The incoming fire as railgun rounds and missiles streaked around through the space around them. Woo! Punch it in, my heart. 
infernal roared as Reaper lined up on the glowing blue shields of the uppermost landing dock of the colony ship before accelerating towards it at full jock. Going in hot, hold on to your ass! he yelled as cybernetically enhanced speed slowing as he pulled and flicked the controls faster than most people could see. But Jack watched in fascinated joy as he saw it. He turned and placed his helmet on and helped Tick out of her seat and kissed her before locking his visor down. Ready to kill some evil porks, my love, he said softly and she grinned before putting on her own hunting mask. When am I not, my heart star? She growled and he nodded. Alright, on your feet, people. Here we fucking go. You know the drill, so let's do this, Jack said, and as he did, Reaper pulled a move that looked like a mid-air power slide bringing the shuttle through the shield sideways and hit the ramp release at the same time. Go, go, go! Jack yelled, and as he was, he was always the first out of the door, from the still sliding shuttle onto the deck plate, rolling and getting to his feet already running as Tick did the same to his right, along with Infernal Marcher to their left. Reaper slammed the shuttle to a halt in a display of insane level parallel parking and turned looking at the stunned Rose who stood frozen to the spot as he brought his pimp rifle up. On me, kid. Let's do this. You're about to see why the criminals of this universe are scared shitless of us lot, he said, grabbing her and dragging her out with him off the shuttle ramp. No sooner did his feet touch the deck plate than he came under fire from the higher gangways, and without even skipping a beat, he spun on the spot, located the targets, firing a series of high-speed single shots that took down three of the black cloak figures without even blinking. Holy shit, Rose exclaimed as she char- clutched a large plasma sword to her chest and Reaper grinned at her. Come on, kiddo, this is your chance to shine. Those people are counting on us, so dig in deep and unleash. Ryan trained you for this. Time to put pay to his training and get vengeance. These fucks are the ones that killed those who you love. Now dig into that anger and fuck their shit up. He boomed, snapping her out of her momentary fear and panic. Suddenly a large well of rage erupted from the young human tamer and she let out a bellowing battle cry that was instantly answered from around the room by humans, Jejuta and Zeno. Rose began to run towards the stairs with Reaper and Hot on her tail. As they climbed they saw another three ahead of them and as they won they turned and started firing high-velocity plasma shots at them which cooked and sizzled through the air around them as they charged. Suddenly Rose looked like she was dancing in front of him. It took a moment to realise she was actually blocking the shots with her blade, which was now glowing bright blue and purple with the plasma on the blade. Grinning, Reaper timed his movements with cybernetic precision and fired through the gaps between her body and the blade, sending shots back at them and surprising the figures. Two were drilled by his volley, but the third tied a duck back, but Rose charged him so fast that Reaper barely saw her move. She was like a streak, and with a terrifying yell filled with rage and hate, she cleaved the figure in two from top of his head to his arsehole, causing the body to split clean in two down the middle before them. Patting her on the shoulder, he passed by the panting human. He lifted, lifted his other hand and shot a running figure in the face as he rounded the corner next to him, making the black-hooded figure snap backwards, making Rose jump a mile and look at him in utter shock while he just grinned. Don't worry, kiddo. you get used to it eventually. Just remember, every ta- life you take in defence of the innocent is at minimum one life saved. 
he said, and she looked like she was actually about able to freak out. It was obvious to him that she had no idea how he was so calm. So he decided to be extra calm to help her along. A huge crash made them both turn to see a figure shooting a marcher had just barreled into a group defending the doorways, leading deeper into the ship before he could take a shot, and Verno hit them like a freight train. You dare shoot at my beauty queen, she bellowed in roar, hoisting a figure off his feet and with a tremendous amount of strength. She actually tore the woman's shrieking head from her shoulders, leaving a gore-coloured spine dangling from her severed head, but without the hood, which turned out to be human. Miss it, without me even missing a beat, she spun and threw the head like a bowler which wrapped itself around the legs of a running figure who was heading for Reaper and Rose. The figure slammed face-first into the bulkhead which slid with a screech that sounded like a cheek on a window right up to Reaper's feet. We looked down at the black-skinned man in his mid-thirties and looked at him with eyes filled with hate and fear. Our goddess will vanquish you, heathen. I am... He began till Reaper's boot smashed straight through his face and out the back of his head. Oh, shut the fuck up. Ah, oh, great, now I've got shit on my boots, he said, pulling the guy's cloak off and wiping the brain fragments and blood from his metal leg, leaving Rose stood at him with utter horror and amazement. Hangers clear, let's move, Jack yelled through the comm, snapping them both to reality, and they ran to form up with the rest of the group before opening up the large rectangular blast doors with the codes. Their comms were alive with activity. We're meeting heavy resistance in the armoury deck. We're pushing them back. Ah, Bertha's loving these narrow corridors. It's like shooting dickheads in a barrel, Tank roared and Reaper laughed as he imagined the huge Scotsman with a minigun ripping down the corridors, grinning the whole time. Jack ran on ahead with Tick at his side. Martyr and Inferno Mar formed up on Reaper's sides with Rose slotted in between them, looking up at her larger-than-life companions. She was truly enthralled to be fighting alongside them, and with good reason, because just as a figure appeared before them at the end of the corridor, Tick bellowed and threw a smart disc in a spinning, shimmering arc into the room beyond, where it bounced and cut its way through anything and everything in its path. And as they burst through the doors, they found a scene of disfigured carnage and devastation beyond, with bodies strewn everywhere. Tick stumbled for a brief second before Jack caught her and looked down to see what she tripped on, only to find out with it, that it was a leg. Why is it always a porking leg? Tick grumbled as Jack grinned at her. A voice burst through the comms. Grand Patriarch, we have taken the bridge and the remainder of the civilian crew are secured and under our protection. We'll keep them safe, he said, and Reaper recognised it as Messy, the other female Belladon from the Guardian Corps team. Her voice was deep and rumbly, but it had a very feminine tone to it. For anyone used to female Yajuta voices, that they could appreciate it. Roger that, Messy. Keep them safe. See if you can get us any more usable intel from up there, Jack replied. Yes, Grand Patriarch, you can count on us, she replied. And that's when Jack froze solid and took Tick looked at him with a look of concern. I know that look, she growled deeply and he nodded. Nightmare assassins. I count at least four of them, he said darkly. He glanced to their right and Tick nodded. Go, my heart's brightest star. Bring the light of blazing justice directly to them. 
she said, and he grinned and nodded, stroking her hair gently and tenderly. I will, my love. Seekers, confirm on my, converge on my beacon. Have detected the presence of nightmare assassins. You know the code. He said, and to that he turned. To Marcher, and she nodded, while turning and hugging both Aiden and Tashara tightly. I love you both, and I'll return to your sides where I belong soon, but I must go. She said, before either of them could say a word, she scooped up a rather surprised rose in her tail, and took the three took off like a shot. Reaper wanted to follow, but Tick placed a huge hand on his shoulder and stopped him. No, young one, that is not a fight you want to be in the middle of. You are as good as you are, you stand no chance against the Nightmare Assassins. They are the dark version of Dream Warriors. They are ruthless and relentless, and only another Dream Warrior can take one down. My husband is calling all the Seekers to him in order to confront this threat. They are the only ones that can defeat it. We must trust in them, while they trust in us to protect them. And the civilians. So come, young ones, to the hunt, Tick said, steering both Reaper and Inferno on in the opposite direction. Jack ran with March at his side. The other Seekers had already given them the nickname the Queen of Hearts. It's kind of a Seeker tradition that once one became a Seeker, regardless of what section you joined, whether it be the Soul Knights, Tamers, the Seekers of Truth all band seekers. They called him the Godslayer after what he'd done in the war. A nickname based on truth. Though to be fair he'd actually cut down more like three gods by now. But that was just semantics. Usually you got your seeker name within the first month of becoming one. The Belladon he'd just spoken to was one everyone called her Cuddlebug because she had a real hard of it of trying to cuddle human males because she was equally enamoured with them. It was actually kind of sweet how flustered she got around them. Well, as flustered as a nine-foot minotaur-like creature blushing bright red because a human looked at her the way it could be anyway, which usually resulted in her losing control of herself, scooping them up into a huge pole full of inescapable hug before trying to run off with her prize. It had been a bit of a toss-up between Death Grip and Cuddlebug for a while, but thankfully Cuddlebug won that one. The poor girl tried her best, she really did. But she had such a hard time with humans. She tried her hardest to understand them and tried to be appealing to them in the hopes that at least, just like her counterparts from the other races, she might scoop up a pretty prize, as she called them. But luck just hadn't been on her optimistic Belladon's side yet. Though who knew? Maybe luck would find her someday. Marcher had now earned herself the name, nicknamed the Queen of Hearts after everyone found out that she was in a polyamorous relationship with both Reaper and Inferno, and had seen how utterly devoted to each and one another the trio actually were, that the name got pitched and very accept quickly accepted. The Rose hadn't been decided yet, though I guess her performance here today would probably help decide that. He was rather liking Pocket Rocket right now. Following his sharper-than-sharp senses, he ran through the ship, and as he ran, the other Seekers appeared along his path and joined the run, including his own beloved son, who joined the pack with more than a nod of his head and his face was hidden behind his hunting mask. The group followed the psychic scent until they burst into a large area that Jack instantly realised was the loading area for the crypto and cryopods. 
they bought they were brought through the large walkers and placed into a large machine that hung them up like items on a shop shelf. But those shelves were far beyond the blast doors of twelve foot thick titanium and diamond carbide that surrounded it, allowing them to see the rows upon rows of colonists hanging on their shelves like they were inside a giant vending machine. Jack instantly realised that it was a cutaway section, kind of like a giant life pod that could be ejected to save the colonists in stasis in case of an emergency. But that's when it hit him. That's exactly what they intended to do. The whole ship was like a giant bio-bomb. What better way than to ensure the spread of the virus into a major population area than to drop it from the sky like a giant fucking bomb on a hapless city? People rushed to the scene to find survivors, only to be greeted by an undead army, and boom, utter planetary destruction on a huge scale. Well, not on his watch. In front of the huge blast door were a few figures overseeing a cutting team. They were trying to bypass the lockout protocols and to get to the innocent defenseless sleeping colonists. The four figures were dressed in long, flowing black cokes that covered their equally black armour and did little to mask the huge, nasty-looking swords they all carried, as when the group turned and fanned out towards them. One solitary figure detached from the group, as the dream warriors matched their moves and fanned out. Jack had an odd sense that this was a parley before the battle began in earnest, so signalling to his people to stay put but stay ready, he strode forward to meet the individual, who stopped ten yards away from him, and Jack instantly saw who it was, and his heart both sank and his boiled blood. The great God-slayer himself. We meet at last. Oh, oh, I did hope that it would be I that got to kill you and send that soul of yours screaming into the void to meet those that he killed for a little payback, the masked male said. But Jack instantly knew the face of the man beneath beneath it. Scales as dark as the night, and eyes that glowed like coals on the fires of hell itself. Greetings, Soul Ripper. It's about time I got to show you the justice of the dead, Jack said as the Traconist male lifted his head, and Jack could see he almost feel the evil smile under his mask as his wings spread out. Oh, this was going to be a fight and a half. If Jack was considered one of the paragons of light, then this man right here... He was the devil's torturer. So that was chapter 40, ladies and gentlemen. But will Jack succeed? Will he beat Soul Ripper? Will they save the colonists? Only going to be one way to find out the answer to those questions and so many more. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.